I'm Rico. And I'm Jessica. And this is the Always the Critic podcast where a couple of friends review the latest movies, except we literally have zero qualifications to do so. Jessica, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well. Thank you for asking. It's yeah. uh, here. I am recording in a different spot just because I can uh, <laughs> basically have this house to myself pretty much all day so oh sweet yeah so i wanted to try a different place and if you hear any noise from like lawnmowers i I apologize we're recording on a different time too yeah Uh, so (laughs) this is something that i did not account for you know it's weird because i've never seen you in this light before that yeah (laughs) (laughs) like first of all it's the morning yes not the night time very true and you're in a different area of the house so like that is also true yeah so, yeah, so we you are look different. trying. That's different. all I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we are trying something different here with a different time and everything. But uh, today we have ourselves a double feature. Yes. Uh, so speaking of things we haven't done in a while, uh, it's it's going to be a pretty, pretty in- substantial conversation, especially on the first movie, I believe. I think so, yeah. Uh, but before we get started on those movies, if this is your first time listening, go ahead and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and many more. And if you do like us, go ahead and give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars goes a long way for us. Come and check us out on social media to stay up to date on our latest episodes and reviews. You can find us on the Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Always Critic Pod. And lastly, if you're a fan, please, please consider becoming a patron. It's a great way for you to get involved and show your support. You can check out the page on patreon.com slash alwayscriticpod. So today we are going to talk about two different movies. Uh, The first one that we're going to talk about is Spencer. Spencer, uh, according to IMDb, it's during her Christmas holidays with the royal family at the Sandringham. Sandringham? Sandringham. Yes. It's kind of like a one. Sandringham. Sandringham. Yeah. Estate in. No. I didn't say it right. I think it says Sandringham. 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 Yeah. There we go. Estate. Only because I've watched The Crown. Right. Only because you've watched The Crown. Uh, In the estate in Norfolk, England, Mm -hmm. uh, Diana Spencer, struggling with mental health problems, decides to end her decade long, long marriage to Prince Charles. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Lady Diana mm-hmm. is Lady Diana. Yes. yes, this movie was directed by Pablo Lar- Lorraine. Larraín, but it has an accent on the I. Oh, that's true. So I'm thinking, Larraín. It could be. It could be. Anyway, he's from Chile, so I think that's yeah, that's probably probably why. closest. Anyway, he directed Jackie from 2016 with Natalie Portman, so he has major experience with basically reenacting historical events with a prominent famous lady you could say so you could say so okay and it's written by Stephen knight he is the creator of the peaky blinders tv show that's my best impersonation of the peaky blinders accent (laughs) (laughs) and he wrote november criminals from 2017 we're gonna see ansel elgort again later this year with you know the no what's it called Oh my God, West Side Story. West Side Story, yeah. Wow. I was bad. waiting for you to say it. I was like, I was thinking Romeo and Juliet in my head, and I was like, that's not right. It's the adaptation. Anyway, it's the adaptation. And yeah, yeah. yes, yes, man, the different time that we're recording apparently is, apparently is messing us up here. 
messing us up here. Anyway, Stephen Knight is also the writer of The Girl in the Spider's Web from 2018. And get this, Rico, Serenity from 2019. Yes, yes. (laughs) Oh, oh my God. I love it. And not the Serenity that's based off of the show Firefly. No. Again, we are talking about Serenity with Matthew McConaughey and Anne Hathaway, the disaster of a movie (laughs) that you can't turn your eyes away from. Oh, my God. It's fantastic. All right. So starring in the movie, we mentioned her before. Kristen Stewart plays Lady Diana. Uh, This is going to be an interesting conversation to have about her. Uh, Mm -hmm. Joining her in the cast is Timothy Spall as Major Alistair Gregory. Sean Harris as Darren. He plays the chef character. Uh, Sally Hawkins as Maggie, the dresser. Jack Farthing as Prince Charles. Jack Nielsen is Prince William. And <laughs> Freddie Spry is Prince Harry. Now, yep. uh, the movie itself, uh, it's a smaller movie. It's an independent movie. I think we counted uh, over five production companies when we what were open. F- I think oh, so man. for that one. Uh, but uh, it did make $2.1 million domestically and $3.5 million worldwide. This is a smaller movie. Not surprised. The critics enjoy this movie. 84% yeah. positive on Rotten Tomatoes. But audiences are very divided. It is 50% audience score. Mm-hmm. I have no doubt. Yeah. They, this movie this is, is very polarizing. Yes. Now, the critics' consensus reads, Spencer can frustrate with its idiosyncratic depiction of its subject's life, but Kristen Stewart's finely modulated performance anchors the film's flights of fancy. So, Jessica, Hmm. with all that said, what did you think of Spencer? I was on the fence about it for the longest time. I couldn't decide if I liked it or if I you know, connected with it in any way. We've seen a few different Dianas, you know, everyone's seen at least one documentary about, you know, the Diana Spencer and the tragedy, you know, around this whole thing. And of course I've seen season four of the crown, which Emma Corrin plays lady Diana and in her younger years So I really enjoyed that performance and I was basically just kind of reconciling Kristen Stewart's performance against what I what I know about Lady Diana and the other portrayal. I don't think I was prepared for this to be a psychological thriller, like period. Neither was I. I was stunned that this was a psychological thriller. I don't think I could sit I couldn't sit through it without thinking it was too wild of an idea. What what really surprised me is how the movie kind of shifts into that tone, mm. um, especially with the score. The score, the score. is <laughs> troubling. I yes. And what did we say? I turned to you and I said, "This is like an A twenty four score." Yeah, where like the 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 violins and the strings go like dissonant it's just distressing yeah it's a distressing tone that it sets which i was not prepared for that's not the movie that i thought i was going to watch same so i guess that will catch people off guard because it did catch me off guard for sure i guess i went in thinking that it was going to be kind of a typical biopic type of thing but still centered around 
at a certain time period, not necessarily her whole life, but just a certain right. time period. But what I was not prepared was for, like the critics consensus says, flights of fancy. This movie takes some some chances with mm-hmm. some ideas that it's portraying, not only about Diana, but also the way they perceive Diana and by perceive, I mean the director and the writer are perceiving Diana because they are portraying Diana in a specific way that I had never seen before. And I, I'm conflicted with the way they portrayed her because it, yeah. it kind of like sets this new like idea about her. And I don't know if it's entirely correct. I, I think that it might be something. Oh, you know, you know what? Something that this movie does say at the very beginning is a fable of a tragedy. Yeah, of a true tragedy. Of a true tragedy. So that right there kind of, if you're not prepared, maybe that line will help you. But a fable is something, you know, like a story that gets passed on. and Yeah. So I maybe that'll prepare you, but it's, a, it's difficult to reconcile. I didn't like it as much as I wanted to. And although people left and right are claiming that Kristen Stewart's portrayal is uncanny, mm-hmm. I thought she was rather difficult to understand. She was half whispering the entire movie and doing this like exasperated breathing, you know, she does. And so it was just kind of annoying to me. I felt like there was a little more Kristen Stewart shining through than I wanted. Gotcha. I see what you're saying. And then it beat you over the head with metaphors and subtext. That you didn't think were things that you were going to get in this movie. I don't mind metaphors and subtext. No. I just don't want it choking me. Ah, okay. And that's what the movie, it was like compounding, like, okay, I can understand one or two, but it was like, oh no, this and that. And <laughs> she's having conversations with people and likening herself to certain things and I'm like, this is very poetic and also like very out of place. Like, did she really just spout all this nonsense to people? Like, I don't know. And the movie is heavy with the foreshadowing of where her life does eventually end up. Oh, yeah. It's and, even in the trailer. Yeah. The, the line that she says, do you think they'll kill me? Right. Um, <laughs> Which everyone, that's just. It's just. <laughs> immediately it's like, too oh. on the nose. You know, yes. it. If, if you believe that whatever conspiracy theory you believe surrounding Lady Diana, <laughs> right? Yeah. The fact that the movie makes it so explicit that mm-hmm. obviously the director, the writer, are in this mode of thinking that something was either wrong with Diana mm-hmm. or there was truth to the way she felt of being perceived that the walls were closing in, that things were getting out of hand and that something may happen because Mm -hmm. a lot of dialogue does center around things that will happen to her or what she feels like will happen to her. Um, And also a comparison to someone else in history uh, that happens a lot throughout the movie. So um, I, We'll tell you this. The movie itself didn't really work for me. Mm-hmm. I don't think it did. Yeah. Um, I think that there was a lot of just independent movie choices. And by that, I mean cliches. <laughs> 
like, you know, like there were these long takes of Kristen Stewart, like walking down a hallway, like just for a long take for no reason, you know, mm. um, or just randomly there's a dance scene because, you know, it's a independent movie and they could do whatever the hell they want. But also Diana loved to dance. She did. But it, it's one of those things where it's just like the music doesn't even go with what they're showing on screen well it seems like it's leaning more into the mania of diana versus the like genuine passion for exactly dancing so So, that's the issue right they make her look a little crazy yeah a little well yeah you're right little is putting it very very softly i think that i found fault with that too is like it seems pretty disrespectful to insinuate that diana was losing her friggin mind yeah, that's what it felt like they were doing. And that's the psychological thriller of it. Which is crazy. Which I'm just like not behind. I can't get behind that. So now that we've kind of, you know, danced around it, I think we can move into spoilers yes. for this movie. Before we do, uh, what did you give this movie as a score? I give it a three out of five, but I'm almost leaning towards a two and a half. I'll leave it at three for now, but. I went with two and a half myself. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Just because of a couple of issues that I have with the movie that mm-hmm. kind of just keep like bringing it down, you know, another half point, another half point. So we'll go ahead and we'll talk about spoilers for Spencer right after this. The greatest trick. Houston, we have a problem. I am the father. I see. The devil ever pulled. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. Was convincing the world. You can't handle the truth. He didn't exist. Oh, what's in the box? All right. So we're going to talk spoilers for Spencer. Uh, So the movie, here's here's my biggest problem with the movie. Go for it. Number one, I think this, the the score is so out of place in in a (laughs) lot of the movie that it's kind of hard to wrap your head around what the movie is supposed to be. Is it supposed to be a portrayal of a woman who is at the end of a marriage? Is it supposed to be about a person who is losing their mind? Is it supposed to be a fun exercise in showing the eccentricities of the Royal family? You know, because Mm -hmm. the score at sometimes will do like this nice little uh, soft like theme motif for Diana and it'll come up when she's on screen. Uh, Then it'll go into this dissonant, like panicked, anxious feeling score. And then there's some moments where it's just wild jazz, like just like out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. So. The movie, I had a hard time rapping, like, what am I supposed to be feeling in this moment? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't get where I'm supposed to feel, what I'm supposed to feel, where it's going. So mm-hmm. it was a little tough to wrap my head around. It was super frenetic. Yes. Frenetic is the word. That's the word yeah. I wanted to use. Um, Back to Kristen. Let's talk about Kristen. So Kristen, I think she's been making some really good choices in her career in the last few years, I think sure. she's been doing some very good work. Um, and so this is a bit of an ambitious project, even though it's on a small scale. Mm-hmm. You're portraying someone very well known. Like yes. this is a woman. Someone beloved. Beloved. A beloved yeah. woman. So it's a little tough 
to kind of reconcile that she did like a great job and I wouldn't say that I'm baffled by the way people are speaking about her, like saying that it's an amazing performance and people that, are talking Oscars. Right. She's a front runner is what people are saying. Um, I think that for the most she's part, she's a front runner in the same way that Renee Zellweger was a front runner last year of her portrayal of Judy. Right. Garland. Um, it, it's it's a cheat code in Hollywood. Yes. Portray and that's how I feel. a famous person. And that will put you at the front of the line yeah. for people to recognize you for an award. That's exactly how I feel. Rami, Rami Malek. Malek. Yeah. <laughs> Case in point. Case in point. So maybe that is clouding some people's vision of this. Mm-hmm. I think it look, there's moments in the movie where it's a good it's good. Like she's doing a good job. You yeah. you really empathize with her character because at the at the, at the end of the day, you want to sympathize or empathize with the character you want to feel for the character Mm -hmm. and the only way to do that is if the actor in that moment is giving you something to attach yourself to yeah and you can feel some moments even if it's moments that i'm like not fully buying but her performance is still pretty good throughout Mm -hmm. but like you said her her whisper type of talking or speaking is a little distracting especially when you can't fully understand everything i couldn't understand what she was saying you needed subtitles i I need subtitles crazy crazy that in a movie like that you would need subtitles and also like you said this movie does lean right into her type of acting which is you know a little bit you know shifty you know just you know how yeah. Kristen Stewart is like she kind of feels like she's uncomfortable in her own skin sometimes. Mm-hmm. And she portrays that in in this movie uh, mm-hmm. as Lady Diana. So there's a couple of moments where I'm just like, yeah, I don't know if I like that choice that she's making. But then there's right. other times where I think, "Ooh, this is really good. She's doing mm-hmm. a very good job portraying herself. So should she be in the discussion f- for Best Actress Possibly, sure. But <laughs> when people say front runner, it's it's a little hard to wrap my head around after watching the movie. Mm-hmm. Same. So now let's talk about like the biggest theme of this movie, I feel, is the fact that she is comparing herself and reading the the, the story bo- of Anne Boleyn. Yes. The story of Anne Boleyn. Uh, King Richard's. No. Nope. No. It was, <laughs> it was um was King it? Henry the King Henry the Eighth. Sorry, not King Richard. We were talking about that earlier. Uh <laughs> King Henry the Eighth. And how he co- she compares herself to Hamblin. And it is so on the nose. It is. To the point where not only does she envision Amblin like in sees person, her. sees her. Yeah. But at a certain moment of the movie, during one of those cliche long takes where she's walking down a hallway, she is dressed up as Amberlynn. She becomes her. So the movie makes no pretense saying like, oh, this could be about something. No, no. This movie is clearly about the fact that Lady Diana sees herself as a figure who might be killed. Yes. By her husband or ex-husband. By her husband or to marry to marry another woman. Yes. 
And that <laughs> right there is just like, really? We're that's really? what we're gonna do? Like, yeah. I I feel like there could have been something else that could have been done for this movie. Like, I can understand if you want to show the end of a marriage. Hey, hmm. do it. Why not? I I'd be down for watching a movie like that. Mm-hmm. But watching a movie of a real person and you kind of have these moments of grandeur with her when has there ever been like a like a retelling or recalling of her having like these episodes that they show in this oh, movie right. that's the thing is that they are the fable i'm assuming that they're referring to in that opening warning <laughs> is that diana was not really losing her mind and seeing Anne Boleyn in the dark corners of Sandringham <laughs> and her own estate, right? The Spencer estate. That was, I am assuming, a complete fabrication. And her um, antics within Sandringham over the course of just three days was also pretty wild and outlandish. I'm not sure if that is true or not and that is what makes me kind of upset is because they're muddying the waters of this woman who like I almost just want to leave her alone (laughs) like you know she is such a tragic figure and it's like do we need all of these portrayals of Diana and especially a portrayal that you are embellishing certain things because it does feel like they are it feels like, hey, we we have an idea of how to portray Diana. We want to portray her as a figure that knows that her demise is coming mm-hmm. by some sixth sense instinct type of yes. thing. And we want her to grasp and, you know, grapple with that idea of yes her own mortality exactly and that we have a historical figure that she can compare herself herself to and yes the movie, a predecessor who has already gone pretty much it. so it, it feels weird to basically have a character this is basically a meta type of story mm-hmm. because it's clearly influenced by the fact that she did die plus on yeah. top of that you know, there's conspiracies about how she died. Mm-hmm. So the movie is fitting in all of this into its text. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, Diana, we know she died. And so now we're going to, you know, show that she kind of knew that it was coming type of thing. Right. That's what it feels like. It feels like the movie is she trying a to. deep and lasting connection to like a forebear. Right. <laughs> so who from English history who has was wrongfully killed, murdered. Yeah, that is true. So I just that was too on the nose. And then when they started showing Amblin, I was like, oh, my God, this is crazy. Um, there were all of these metaphors of her being um, like one was an insect she was having this conversation with Major Alistair Gregory and he was saying they have these telephoto lenses and they can see you 
in your room? And she said, well, those lenses are actually microscopes and I'm the little insects, you know, that they put on the dish and oh, how they, you know, rip off my legs. And then they wonder why I'm squirming and screaming. I don't mind that as a concept. That was probably the best metaphor that they had or simile. And I can't remember if she used like or as, but um, that was the best one in the movie to me was the insect in the microscope versus, you know, a woman and the paparazzi. And then we also have that metaphor of her being the, uh, the game, the game bird that they're hunting on the grounds of Sandringham. Yeah. Um, what which is, is it? like a tradition? Uh, a pheasant. Pheasants. So she said, Oh, I'm like a pheasant as well. And she doesn't want her children to take part in the killing of the pheasants. And they're even expressing dismay at having to go out and kill the pheasants. Then when they're not really ready for that yet. So she, at the end of the movie, like jumps out in front of these, um, you know, live ammunition, essentially. And her arms are like outstretched as if she is a bird flying. And she demands that her children like come to her and you know for for, to have them stop killing the pheasants yeah and so talking about she was even having a conversation with a pheasant about you know oh yeah we were in london your your feathers would be the talk of the town and they'd say oh like how beautiful the colors so even then she's feeling like london is more accepting of her eccentricities and you know her love for fashion essentially is also kind of wrapped up in that conversation she has with the live pheasant that's on the ground yeah in front of her so that's it's interesting but also too on the nose yeah it is too on the nose that she's a beautiful bird but also one that can be easily killed and she's so concerned what do you do with the pheasants when they come back to Sandringham and he's like well some of them we do this some of them we stuff and then others we just throw away the rest and she's like what do you mean you just throw them away yeah she the movie does try to show how sympathetic Diana herself is to Mm. people who are in need who who have issues who have problems they want to show her as that sympathetic character at times the movie, I guess, maybe this is the direction they wanted to go because since we as an audience know Diana so much from her public outreach, from her, the way she was, they wanted to introduce a little conflict in their fable so that she is more complicated. She's not this almost saintly figure for some mm-hmm. people. That there, there's more to her than just the simple, like, she cared for people, she she enjoyed fashion, like, there's more behind it. So, another thing that, that was really on the nose with this movie is, uh, earlier in the movie, um, Diana is talking with her children, how, they, what do you want, and it's like, a miracle, Something like that. And of course, at the end, the song that they play in their car is All I Need Is a Miracle. Oh, yeah. And it's so on the nose. Like, yeah, we just escaped pretty much. 
uh, it's the first time the sun truly shines in the movie. Like the movie <laughs> yeah. is like so dreary throughout the entire time. And this is the time, you know, the first moment that we actually get to see like the sun shining on them. Um, yeah. So overall, this movie, I think, is. I'll, I'll add a few things. Go ahead. So they also had this whole running thing with the scarecrow jacket that she like takes off and she is really um, lamenting the fact that she doesn't remember these country roads where she grew up on and that this jacket that her dad put on the on the scarecrow she's like wants it she wants it mended she's it's almost like a huge um, feeling of she wants to go back to the past she wants to preserve the past and there was this also this thing that she says to her sons where in here in the royal family the past and the present are the same and there is no future there's no future (laughs) there's exactly literally she says that yeah um yeah it's the movie is basically talking through the lens of present day and not an actual like retelling of something that happened during that time not a proper retelling Mm. um yeah how did you feel about like there's two things right so they're tormenting her with her weight is how she feels yeah, yeah Because it's all in good fun or whatever that everyone has to get weighed when they arrive and leave Sandringham right. over the Christmas holiday. To and see I think, if they actually enjoyed themselves with the food and everything. Yes. So they had to gain three pounds? Yeah, they had to gain three pounds. Gain three pounds. And she's struggling with an eating disorder. So she feels it's like they're after me. Right. They're doing this on purpose. Um, and then there's yeah. also the whole deal with the curtains. Oh yeah, the curtains. Lord, the curtains. Multiple <laughs> times we heard uh, about the curtains. Um, yeah. So when it comes to that, I think that Diana was looking for freedom in a way. She, Absolutely. She was, and she wanted to get freedom any way she could. So even if that meant having the curtains open, when the family wanted them closed because of paparazzis and all that. Mm-hmm. And then she did have a bit of a complex, but is that something that we know she had in real know. life? I don't think they care about that. No, and they also, don't. And um, also the whole thing with um, arriving on time. Yeah. She like consistently arrived late. Consistently. It's like small uh, rebellions. Yeah. Small rebellions, small, mm-hmm. small things to still exert that you are still the person that you are. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The pearls. Do we do we even need to talk about the oh, pearls? That's a whole other thing. The pearls. <laughs> oh man. I, when she eats the yeah. pearls, I think I lost my shit. Like I literally was like, "Oh my god, she's breaking her teeth to eat the pearls," and then no, it's all in her head. It's all in her head. And so was the. I think she used a wire cutter and cut her cut her the arm. yeah she cut her arm but i cut the curtains and did it cut happen her arm. though i don't think it really happened i don't think it really happened so look there's so many things that are happening just in her head make her seem like a crazy person and you don't know fact from fiction on it 
Yeah. You don't. It's, it's, it's a little annoying to kind of like figure out, am yeah. I viewing something that really happened? Is it mm-hmm. really happening in the context of the movie? Is she imagining mm-hmm. it? Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't know. That that's why the movie dropped down so low for me, down to two and yeah. a half, is because there's a lot of things where you you're just second guessing yourself as an audience member. Like, hey, if I'm watching this, is something going on in this movie that's happening in the movie, or is it happening mm-hmm. in the character's mind? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, there's some obvious stuff that we know is like metaphor that is put on screen. For example, when she's dressed up like Amberlynn. Uh, or when she sees and is being talked to by her as well, like at her yes. old family home. Um, where The she, obsession with going back yeah, to the past. Wanting to and- go back to the past, wanting to go back to when things were different. You know, things mm-hmm. were normal in her eyes. So mm-hmm. I think overall, though, the movie left me wanting so much more and yep. something much different than what we got. Mm-hmm. So I wish we would have gotten something a little different than what what actually came about it. Oh shit! Do you want to talk about Maggie, the dre- the lesbian dresser oh, who like yeah. confessed her love for Diana, and then Diana was what are they implying? Like Diana was also like a closet lesbian or bisexual, or was just kind of okay with the fact that her dresser was like. I'm like completely in love with you and this might get me fired. And like Grant Daniel was like, it's fine. (laughs) Like, right. I don't know. I think that what are they trying to say here? I don't know. It it kind of felt so unnecessary to add that. It did. That was like the most superfluous thing to me was to have this um, character, Maggie also be hopelessly in love with Diana. Like I understand if you decide to take that and actually place it into the movie as like as something as a thread in the movie mm-hmm. but to kind of like throw it in after the fact towards the end of the movie it felt like a da vinci code thing like <laughs> just like, for shock oh factor. by the way like <laughs> yeah and it's not like she reciprocated the feeling she was just like oh wow i didn't know you know like and right. that's and pretty much it. Like I don't know. She just wanted a friend. She wanted a confidant. She wanted someone who she can trust. And she found that in Maggie. But then Maggie's also like, "Well, let me stop you right there. I'm hopelessly in love." Like it was just like, "What?" <laughs> yeah, it's you're gonna also dump on this like drowning woman your feelings <laughs> <laughs> on this drowning woman. Yeah. Okay. So it I think just... overall, we didn't find this movie as enjoyable as we wanted to. Not as compelling as people, you know, are claiming. And the performance is not as strong as most critics would have you believe. It's good. And I appreciate that, you know, the accent is apparently spot on. She spent six months perfecting the way that she was supposed to speak and perfecting Diana's inflections or what have you. I, I respect that. That's great. I just don't feel like the finished product and the messages that they are sending which are many we've gone through a few it's just doesn't it's not as good really no in the grand scheme of things in the grand scheme of things it is not yeah so with that said that is going to be our discussion on the movie spencer so that is the first of two movies that we're going to talk about in just a moment we will talk about belfast
transition into our second movie that we're talking about on this double feature and that is the new film Belfast. This is mm-hmm. a film that is directed and written by Kenneth Branagh. The IMDb synopsis is a young boy and his working class family experienced the tumultuous 1960s. Mm-hmm. Uh, very straightforward but um, <laughs> I guess we can break that down a little bit more. Uh, for those who don't know Kenneth Branagh uh, you've definitely seen him as an actor because he does act. Yes. He was uh, Sator in Tenet. Uh, he is Commander Bolton in Dunkirk. He's Macbeth in Macbeth. Macbeth. <laughs> exactly. Uh, he's Sir Lawrence Olivier in My Week with Marilyn. Uh, Gilderoy Lockhart is probably like the big one for most yes. people in Chamber of Secrets. He is a director. He has directed many films. Uh Recently, he has directed Artemis Fowl in 2020. Murder. Did you watch that movie? No. Yeah, Definitely me not. Murder on the Orient Express. Which he also starred in. That is true. Plus, he has the sequel, which is supposed to come out sometime. Who knows when now at this point. But it's been like sitting there just waiting to be released. Uh, he did direct the live action Cinderella from 2015 with Lily James and Thor. He was the director of Thor. So... Mm-hmm. You know, he does have a bit of a background in directing and acting. Uh, who else stars or who is starring in this movie <laughs> is what I meant to say. So we have Jude Hill as Buddy. He's the main kid in the movie. We have Louis McCaskey as Will, his brother. Um, Katrina Balfe as Ma. Jamie Dornan as Pa. Judy Dench as Granny. And Kieran Hines as Pop. Yes, very straightforward names. These are names that the child is saying to I think these it's characters. So, so yeah, they don't have real names. They no, just, they're credited as Ma, Ma Pa, Granny Pop. Yeah. So this movie is a an independent movie, a very small movie, and the box office shows it. It has made worldwide six hundred and forty thousand dollars. Oh, not a very big thing. It just got released. We'll see what happens going forward. But this is a movie that is generally liked. 88% critic score and a 90% audience score. Yes. So <laughs> critics and audiences in line with each other here. The critics consensus, a deeply personal project for writer-director Kenneth Branagh, Belfast transcends its narrative deficits with powerful performances and directorial craft. So Narrative deficits. That's an interesting one, but we'll That's we'll get into that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, Jessica, what did you think of the film Belfast? I quite enjoyed it. I thought the script was so well done. The cast was a delight. I loved the the main theme of juxtaposition between innocence and the simplicity of childhood against bigotry. <laughs> yeah. So I uh, I enjoyed it a lot. I thought this was um, a lot of fun in places and very. Um, just simple. I liked it. Yeah, I think that is the best way we can describe it is that it is simple. And it's because it's being told through the eyes of a child. So there is a simplicity, uh, you know, some bit of naive. Mm-hmm. Na- what is the... Naivety. There we go. Naivety. 
And, but with that comes the simplicities of being a child of, you know, I want to play with my friends. I want to go mm-hmm. outside. I like this girl at school, you know, like all these it's like so little cute. things. Yeah, it's very cute, but it is juxtaposed with what's happening in real life in the in the 60s in Ireland. There is a bit of a civil war going on mm-hmm. amongst the people between Catholics and Protestants. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it's shot in black and white as well. Yeah. So. I think the black and white is actually used very well, though. Like Me too. the way it is, I guess the coloring of the black and but white. But that's also his world. It's just in black and white, you yeah, know. It is, and like I, it's not shades of gray. I mean, I technically, yeah, technically, but you know what I'm is, saying. But yeah, it's black and white. It's like mm-hmm. either this happens or some or that happens, or I yeah. like her or I don't. Or, yeah, and absolutes. Yeah, and but I do love. There are like flashes of color here and there. Yes. Which I found very, very interesting and very, very nice to look at as as it went. Um, I think overall, I enjoyed my experience with this movie a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it does tug a bit at the heartstrings because you're, you, again, you're viewing everything through a child's eyes. Mm-hmm. So... You know, there are things that he he kind of hears conversations between his parents. You know, he there's so many things that he has, you know, that the this is a family and a community that is close knit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's being torn apart mm-hmm. right in front of him. And, you know, your heart breaks for the kid, for the family, yeah. for, for the characters, because you want to see them, you know, happy. Mm-hmm. And there are moments where everyone's happy and and then there's moments where, you know, there's strife that happens mm-hmm. in the family or, you know, or in the community. So I really enjoy this entire movie. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Now, before we get into any type of spoilers or anything, did you have anything else or did you want to give your score out of five? I'll go ahead and give my score. My score is a four out of five. So is mine. It's four out of five. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it nice. is. So I think uh, that's a good spot. We could talk a little bit more about what we liked. And, you know, if if we do have any issues with it, we can also talk about it in spoilers. And we will get into spoilers right after this. The greatest trick. Houston, we have a problem. I am the father. I see dead people. The devil ever pulled. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain was convincing the world you can't handle the truth he didn't exist oh what's in the box all right so let's talk spoilers for the movie belfast although this is not like a movie that you can like say you can spoil because it's more of just a ride-along movie Mm -hmm. like you're you're going along for the ride Mm -hmm. but with that said i wanted to really dig into the i guess they said narrative there were some narrative deficiencies right narrative deficiency in the critics consensus interesting that they would say that because Mm -hmm. i feel as though the movie itself does a good job setting up what is happening like it's pretty clear it's there is a division between catholics and protestants and there are some who are taking it too far with violence. 
there are some people who don't want to do anything, you know, that that crazy. And there are some people who are just living their lives, trying to make money to support their family. Mm-hmm. And all of that is through the eyes of a child who, you know, enjoys his community, who enjoys his family, who is rambunctious and, you know, has thoughts and ideas and feelings and he expresses them in a very cute way. And I don't know what exactly they're looking for in this narrative. Besides that, mm-hmm. if they're saying there's a deficiency in the narrative, where so here's is it? my thought. Here's my thought is that this movie relies heavily on heart. Like, yes. There's some movies that you're like, oh, this doesn't really have um, that certain element that maybe I feel like a director that does this really well is Spielberg. Mm. Spielberg movies tend to have a lot of heart. Yes, they do. And I think there's a trend nowadays, especially with critics, to be going against the grain and like not giving into nostalgia, not giving into movies with a lot of heart. I have noticed that. And I do not give a shit. I love movies that have a lot of heart. I will return to Spielberg movies. I still think Spielberg is not like over overrated in that sense maybe spielberg the name and the brand is but like essentially if you watch a spielberg movie and you're drawn in by the heart and um these characters that kind of are otherworldly but very familiar (laughs) then i don't know what to tell you like this is what i like about the movie And I think that's what a lot of people do because Mm -hmm. this has been a movie that has been on the, uh, basically the festival circuit. circuit. Yeah. And it has been winning the People's Choice Awards multiple times at all these Mm -hmm. different festivals. And there's a reason why. It's because people want to root for good things to happen. I Yeah. And I don't think it's a crime to want to have a movie make you feel good. You know, no, I I don't think that that should be ever an issue. But for some reason, you brought up it's popular. It's popular to not like these kind of movies. Yeah. Like, no, it's overly saccharine. Like, Mm -hmm. it's fine if a movie decides to pour on the the gentleness and the sappiness like that shouldn't be an issue. But for some reason. It's become popular for, nah, nah, we don't need that in our movies. Right. You know, we need, you know, gritty and all that stuff. And it's like. 824 crowd, psychological thrillers and. <laughs> again. All not, that nonsense. Not, not necessary. So, so <laughs> it's, so you and I are at least on the same page that, you know, it's not necessary that every movie needs to have like this, like super grittiness to it. Like some movies can be this. That's that's the appeal of movies is that they can appeal to different mm-hmm. audiences and they can tug at the heartstrings, even if some of it may be a little manipulative, manipulative. Mm-hmm. I have a hard yes, time yes. with that word. But like, for example, like centering everything behind this really cute kid, like mm-hmm. it's pretty obvious, like they want us to go, ah, like when things yeah. happen, um, <laughs> But again, I don't see like trouble with that because w- you mentioned Spielberg. Spielberg did that all the time with all, time. all his characters. <laughs> like E.T. is yeah. an awe movie. Like even yeah. if though it's science fiction, like you have like some of the cutest kids ever in Hollywood 
You have mm-hmm. an alien who does have like this cuteness factor, you know, being involved with these kids. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> so, you know, but people don't criticize that for being, you know, overly saccharine or for any type of issue like that. So, yeah, it's it's just a weird <laughs> thing that we're living in right now of people yeah. being cynical. It feels like a little bit of, yes, cynical. People being cynicism. cynical. Yeah, it's a cynicism thing. Um, yeah, so that's my only issue is that people are having such an issue with it in that <laughs> in way. In general. It's, it's yeah. weird to me. But yeah. what what can you do except that just tell people, hey, I like this movie. I enjoy right. it. Um, were there any of uh, moments that you felt like that were your favorite in the movie? Like, I really enjoy, like, him chasing after the girl in school and, like, finding oh a way God. just to sit next to her. Yes. That, I love those things like that. That that was fun. Um, anytime they were at the grandparents' house, it yeah. just really struck a chord with me because I used to go to grandma camp. Mm. so during the summers okay <laughs> we wouldn't go to summer camp we would just like just go, go to stay grandma's. at grandma's house it was like daycare and it would be that kind of like we're watching prices right we're watching you know novelas and um you know talking with them and having a lot of fun going out to mcdonald's because i was like special like it, it just reminded me of my own childhood and not necessarily that my grandpa or my grandmother was giving me romantic advice, but, um, no, but it was that sort of um, closeness that I remember. And it's, uh, you know, I still think back on it with fondness and that movie, this movie just judged it all up. <laughs> it did. Uh, so I think that overall, this movie kind of has a feeling. This is context outside of the movie itself just in its in in pop culture right now right now it's not being talked about a lot a lot but i have a feeling that this is going to be one of those movies that people are going to be upset if it wins best picture Mm. Mm. because there is conversation that this could be like one of those titles because right now there's a couple of titles out there that people are saying are you know like this is like the best movie of the year and everything. And so like power the dog with Benedict Cumberbatch that comes out later this year. Uh, There's people who are saying this movie as well. And I think this is going to be one of those things where there's going to be a backlash to it. If, if this one wins kind of like the whole, when La La Land was on its run and people were Mm -hmm. expecting it to win, you know, there was like a backlash to it. It's like, well, it's not really that good. And you know, all yeah, that. there's always people that come out of the woodworks to like drag down whatever front runner it is, especially if it has heart. La La Land has heart. <laughs> it does. It does. And people don't like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess that's our feelings there when it comes to. But then like, you can also say like. It. Right. But then you can also say that any front runner is going to get haters. That is true. Also they come out well. of the woodwork and start like screaming that it's not that it's not deserving. Yeah. Which I think is. Again, all subjective because it's so subjective. everything that we're doing right now is subjective. We are rating a movie that is a piece of art and we are telling people, yeah, this is good. And we're like, for me, <laughs> for me, that's that's the key element for me. It's good. Yeah. So overall, I think that 
the experience that we had with this movie was just joyful. Like the music that they use throughout oh is fantastic. Yeah. Like you have obviously the score itself is actually very like just a nice accompany piece, accompanying piece to what's going on in the movie. But then on top of that, they have music by Van Morrison, Richard Harris, uh, Richard Harris's How to Handle a Woman. Uh, Van Morrison's Wild Night, and of course, like the the main song that is attached to this movie, even in trailers, is "Everlasting Love" by Love Affair. Uh, all of that really, like, just this movie is made to make you feel happy, in spite of terrible circumstances. <laughs> yeah, because it is not great what's going on. There's again, like I mentioned, a bit of a civil war going on. Plus, on top of that. There is uh, troubles with jobs, like jobs are not happening to the point. Finances are trying to make right with um, with the government with because the government. They're, they have back taxes that are going on. And they're trying to pay back. It's like crazy. The family's in debt. You know, people can relate to that at any any decade. Um, yeah, they can. And, and so to the point where Pa, the Jamie Dormer's char- character, has yeah. to go outside of the country or, you know, outside of Ireland to find work. And so he's down in London for like two weeks and then comes back and, you know, it, it's putting a strain on the family mm-hmm. and not just on the family, but on the relationship between him and Katrina Bowles character, the mm-hmm. wife, you know, where there's moments where you're like, oh, shit, they they might not make it like because right. of everything going on. And they even say it themselves like. A pause says, you know, I don't think we're going to make it to this, to Christmas mm-hmm. at one point. He says it or to Easter to Easter because but he, I think he meant it as like a family as a family in this tumultuous time it, on their street. But he also referenced it to him and his wife's relationship, oh. too. Yeah, because uh, the wife did make a comment of, you know, where you and I are. Mm-hmm. And then he that's when he says, I don't think I don't think we're going to make it to Easter. And so there's a strain with everything going on in the movie, you know, the, mm-hmm. the circumstances. But you want to root for them because mm-hmm. you want this family to be intact, because as a family unit, when they are together, there's it's powerful. It's powerful. There's so much love. There's so much joy among them. Um the little phrase that his dad says or that Pa says to the child, you know, uh, be good. And if you can't be good, be careful. Be careful. <laughs> it, it's, you know, and he he does view that kids should have a life. Mm-hmm. And even with all the strife and everything, he's telling his wife, you know, these kids have to live. You know, like you can't mm-hmm. be on them 24 hours a day. You can't watch them all that time. So, mm-hmm. They need to have a life and here right now is not the place. Like we need to right. get them out of here. So it's they dangerous. Can. Yeah. yeah. There is people coming in like hordes and riots happening on their own street. Mm-hmm. And there's one uh, particular character who keeps coming in. Who's like threatening Jamie Dormer's character all the time. You say, what are you saying? Dormer? It's Dorner. Right? It's Dornin. Dornin. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm putting, <laughs> I'm putting a R at the end. That's not what yeah. I meant to do at all. <laughs> that is not what I meant to do at all. I'm so sorry. Uh, so Jamie Dornin is what I meant to say. Uh, but there's a character who keeps coming up 
who is the antagonist, who is, he's also a Protestant. A voice for hate. <laughs> yeah, he's a voice for hate. Like, they're not going to take over our streets. They're, you know, we need to send a message and you need to either be with us or against us, you know? Mm-hmm. And Only a Sith deals in absolutes. Hey, so. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> seeing that contrast, it, it makes it, okay, so this is what I will say. And I will possibly give a little bit of credence to on critics. The movie's simple. It's a very easy movie to understand. Mm-hmm. There are good guys. There are bad guys. There is hate. There is love. Mm-hmm. You know, there's nothing complicated about what is happening, you mm-hmm. know? And the movie does lay out its feelings, like even towards the end when uh, Dornan is talking to his son. So like, and the son is like, do we, do, do me and her have a future? The little girl. And, you know, he's trying to reassure her. <laughs> and it's like, Stop. and he, he even says, you know, she's a Catholic though. And he's like, yeah, you know, she could be an atheist. She could be a Muslim or a Hindu. She could be anything. As long as we treat each other with respect, she's welcome in our home. Mm-hmm. You know, her and her people are her and her home. people. So, the movie is very like letting you know this is what we believe. It makes me want to cry. You're like, yeah, yeah. And for some people, maybe that's too idealistic of a viewpoint. Like, again, there's, like, a cynicism to, like, well, you know, not all people are like that. And Mm -hmm. we understand the movie shows us that not all people are like that. People are hateful. And -hmm. in real life, we see that. But here's the thing about movies. Movies are a bit of an escape from Mm -hmm. real world. We kind of want to be told that things are good. be okay. Yeah, that things are good, that things can be good. Things can Mm -hmm. be happy and full of love and that's what this movie is just trying to show so um i'm just getting ready for the backlash that i know is going to happen to this movie i already know it i already know it. <laughs> like it's such a pure little movie right and it's gonna get so so lambasted for for nothing for for have for wearing its emotions on its sleeve mm. you know that's what's gonna happen so i mean we'll see as as the award season ramps up, um, we we got some we got some movies, man. We, we got some bangers we, that are coming out soon or have already come out, and you know it, it's it's the twenty twenty effect happening. Yeah, like some of these movies we know, like maybe they weren't announced, but some of these movies were supposed to come out last year and they they pushed them back. So uh, I'm excited to see what else comes out from this season of movies. Um, and that will, you know, kind of put a lens as to what 2021 offered us in terms of the movies. Because you and I did have a discussion early on. It's like, oh, the, the slate's not looking good. Mm-hmm. But I think it's it's gotten better as the year has progressed. And it's because everybody kind of backloaded themselves to the back half of the year, pretty much. Yeah. So <laughs> we're going to be loaded. I mean, the next... The next couple of weeks, we got a few movies to talk about, and we're still organizing how we're going to distribute that because <laughs> uh, these are movies that I don't think we can ignore. We can't just like, mm-hmm. nah, we're not going to do a review on that. Like, in just the next two weeks, we got four movies that I know mm-hmm. need to be talked about. Ghostbusters Afterlife, House of Gucci, King Richard, and Canto. 
Mm-hmm. We can't un- ignore any of them. So mm-hmm. we're trying to figure out how we're going to distribute it to the, you guys. But in- And if you guys want to let us know like what you want, l- please like talk to us on social media at Always Critic Pod. Be like, I want a full episode on King Richard. I want, you know, just a, another double feature on, you know, these two me- movies. Please let us know what you want to hear. <laughs> yes, it's very important for us uh, to. So check us out on social media. Uh, if you're not subscribed to our podcast feed, go ahead and do that now. Always the Critic Podcast. You can subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Also, if you really do like us, if you like this episode or if you like past episodes, go ahead and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. A five-star review goes a long way for us. And finally, if you really want to support us, go ahead and check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash alwayscriticpod. That's where you can go ahead and support us. Uh with your finances of your own uh for as little as two dollars a month we can continue to bring this content and more content in the future for you guys so with that said that has been a review of both of these movies spencer and belfast Mm -hmm. and that's it for this episode i'm rico and i'm jessica and this has been the always the critic podcast